Agitator, episode 87. We're talking about the 1985 classic Tampopo. That just sounded weird coming out of my mouth. Classic. 80s is classic now. That was like 50 years ago or something. I saw a meme the other day that said, oh, that feeling when you realize that 2023 is as far away from 1980 as 1980 is from 1937. And I was just like, uh, yeah, that's how, that's how time works, dude. I mean, yeah, that's math. That's, yeah, just... <laughs> just, that's just, that's just called math, bro. Uh, the but I did, <laughs> I did have a, a, a thought at the end of this movie because I, I was born in 1986 and, uh, there at the end we'll get to it but at the end there's just a baby sucking on a titty for the whole credits and right i looked at that baby i'm like that baby's my age like i could have i could have been that baby you could have been sucking on that titty yeah. i know i know i was like you must oh have. if only uh <laughs> <laughs> if only i was that baby the idea like if you're a baby you just get to suck on whatever titty you want it's like come on come like, on that's he's, the he's, luckiest actor in the world <laughs> he's, he's a baby come on man <laughs> there's uh there's some other titty sucking uh people in this movie though there's lots yeah there's lots oh, of weird shit our, in this movie our man uh world of kanako yep i just call people by movies that they're in there's also mm-hmm. last samurai is in here he's mm-hmm. the uh mm-hmm. he's the truck driver reading the book Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. not in the movie very much no, no. I when I saw Kim Watanabe one of the top billing, I was like, "Oh, damn." Throwing going throwback to a I'd say he's probably more well-known in America at this point. Mhm. Than like for being in Japanese movies. Cuz he's the maybe them, that's why. he's the let them fight guy, right? From Godzilla and King Kong. That meme. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's in Yeah, that's him too. And uh, the the dude that they find at the bottom of the dreams in Inception. Oh yeah. A movie that lost us a patron for me hating. On. <laughs> That's crazy. That's crazy. The whole uh, Patreon economy is so strange because you do want to maintain patrons, but then you begin to find out like all the various ways that people will stop giving you money. Oh, it's impossible to please anybody and that's why people uh that's why people's shows are so gay cuz they try to hold on to they try to retain and by doing that so we this month I saw a ton of people it was like deleted 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 deleted. I was like god damn. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the month it was like uh zero it was like it balanced out the people who joined and the people who left so i was like okay who cares it's so fucking confusing i don't i don't get well this is the patreon trap at the end of the day you know the, the patreon trap is that you spend too much time thinking about this and because you know if everybody who had deleted had stayed we'd have a pretty fucking decent amount of patrons right now but we get a lot of, it seems like we get a lot of one-monthers, which is, it's like, are y'all drunk? And you listen to two episodes and you say, this is the best show I've ever fucking heard. These guys are awesome. And then you sober up and you're like, oh, no, never mind. I don't like these guys. My mom won't like me listening to this. Yeah. 
<laughs> I just get yeah, it's very it's very confusing. I think that Patre- Patreons that do well are the ones that draw like naked animals. And by naked, I mean I know all animals are naked, but like an- oh an- yeah, animals yeah. like sexy animals. Um, and then I don't know. I guess Come Town did really good, but Come Town was is just was just a really funny show. You know, hit at the right time. Yeah, hit at nobody, the right time. We're kind of that too. We're we're mm-hmm. nobody. Uh, we're doing something nobody else is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and then that people would like to hear. So it's just a wider audience. We get two hundred thousand uh, patrons. Then that'll continue to flood. Like you know, then we'll be at ten thousand people deleted this month. But then you got another ten thousand. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, just, it's just so strange so strange i wish uh see because it ha- it has to do with because i'm thinking from from myself from my perspective on this and i have definitely subscribed to and deleted patreons before the two the three that i've never gotten rid of are rune soup which isn't really a patreon but it's like a ten dollar a month subscription thing there will be months and months where I never use that, but I always pay for it. Uh, Perfume Nationalist and Contain. And I just, I couldn't see myself ever, it would feel weird to unsubscribe from those shows, you know? Um, Agitator, uh, so your, basically the Patreon is through your creator account, and so I also have access to your uh, subscriber account. So there's some good shit on there. Shh, shh, shh. <laughs> oh, we, like, hey, for the we, price of one. We, we could cut that, yeah. No, we'll no, nah, nah, I ain't cutting shit. <laughs> no, nah, yeah, we're, we're past that. We're not doing that shit. Uh, but anyway, okay, so my, but I'm, I don't know, I'm trying to make a point here. God damn it. Uh, I, I don't really I, care. I Everybody I, we support over there, we support in plenty of ways. So Yeah. Yeah, no, totally. not on an totally. extra five bucks. Right. Uh, but, 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 what was I going to say? What was I going to say? Oh, yeah, but the ones that I never do, um, so Contain is just always interesting. And Perfume Nationalist, even if I'm not always interested in what they're talking about, there's so much content. And I know, like, the running gag with TPN is you have to listen to every episode. Uh, I, I did, and now I kind of just, like, pick and choose. Because I think that's the... I think that's what makes it worth the money to me. It's like there might be three or four episodes about, you know, a soap opera. And if I'm feeling adventurous and want to kind of step outside my box, I'll listen to them. But uh, but then they'll do one like that, that Atlas Shrugged episode, which was a banger. Uh, I was just like, it's four hours. And I was listening to it all day last week. And I was just like pumping my fist. And I was like, yeah, that's to me, that's worth it. You know, uh, I think stopping posting you know like tales from the mall or whatever like when uh brendan said that he was done i just kind of like was like oh okay unsubscribe and then he was like what the hell like (laughs) why are people unsubscribing and i was like oh my bad i mean well he didn't say that to me but you know it's just kind of in general like yeah everybody just stopped paying once i stopped making that thing it's like yeah dude I don't, yeah, you said it was over. <laughs> you said it was over. I thought the show was over. You know, it's like a movie ending, and they're like, "You, you want to pay like twenty more bucks to just 
just because. It's like, no, no. I don't. Yeah, you want you want to buy another ticket, like on <laughs> your way out. Yeah, on your way out, right, right. But so anyway, uh-huh. I don't know. I don't know what the, I don't know what the science is. I'm really happy with where our, our subscribers are at. It's definitely the most subscribers I've ever had, in my, you know, various Patreon journeys. So that's cool. But this, I'm trying to get like I'm trying to get like five thousand. Like five thousand would yeah, be yeah would be perfect. We'll get there. We got the flyers coming. Uh, I went pretty complicated with the logo we commissioned. So uh, I ain't even waiting on the logo. I'm going to start printing some shit out um, with what we have now. You know, I love our our OG Kakihara stolen IP logo. Kind Mm -hmm. of Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. says enough. Throw the blurb from Ian on there. Put some QR codes so people could just scan and listen and drop those at the mall and the taco stand and all mm-hmm. that shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Go to yeah. these. Uh, go to these weeb cons. Yeah. So Instagram told me about WeebCon last night, and I was like, "Shit, that's already happening on the seventh. And uh, but I, because I do want to get in public in these places and just kind of flyer in front of them. Like if I had known, I could have just driven down to Dallas and did it myself. Um, but basically, cons in general, I think, are a good place to drop. Just promotion for the show basically and I looked it up I was like oh there's a cyberpunk convention it's called like Neotropolis and you have to cosplay to go I was like alright that is 100% we are doing that yeah we're doing that for sure they're like you can pick between three factions and it's like no we're gonna go there we're gonna start our own faction it's gonna be called, oh, be called the agitators that'd be so badass we call so much attention to ourselves too it's like yeah. what are you part of we're the agitator faction yeah it's like well you have to pick between the three you can be this this and this and i'm like are you trying to restrict my identity bro like (laughs) (laughs) no we're here to disrupt the system actually yeah but i thought i thought you know sci-fi cons and i mean it's just it's basic stuff that people used to do that's how you used to get the word out for stuff is you would hand somebody a flyer and like 90%, 90%, maybe 95%, just throw it in the trash. But 5%, look at it. And then of that, like 50%, go and look, you know? And then slowly but surely you get listeners. Um, and that's what you, uh, that's, what, that's what's going on with the online shit. That's what, to me, it's like much easier in person because I'm like, we've got that good dope. I'm just here to sell it to you. Like, where are the dope heads at? You, oh, you don't like this shit? Then get the fuck out of my face. I don't care. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. And so you got, like, flybys just being like, yeah, I'm a dabble. And yeah, it's not for me. Like, mm-hmm. that's fine. There's hundreds of thousands of people this is for. I'm trying to find them. Yeah, we're trying to find them. We're trying to find them where we have a, a warehouse full of product and we don't know where our market is because it's dispersed. You have to be around our age group not really we have a lot of younger people on the patreon we do there's there's a good amount of gen z um there's a there's a lot i was looking at some of the people who deleted too and i was like oh damn if i knew any better i'd be watching my mouth on the show i guess i didn't realize that we had these kind of people here like who women oh 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 right 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 I didn't think I didn't think they were gonna last. I didn't think that was gonna last very long. Uh, 
when I saw women start to subscribe, I was like, oh, okay, all right. <laughs> I hope you it's like it. It's not for you. It's not for you, it's for boys. Uh, no, man, I don't know. It's, it's going to become one of those things that, like, uh, when we're fucking huge household name show, it's going to be, like, the the girl gamer archetype is going to become the girl agitator listener yeah yeah it's like no she's cool she's she's a girl but like she listens to agitator yeah it's tough too because we're not on social media we're not take people I mean, i've never really been a take person just because i don't i don't have the stomach for it the way some people do i don't like uh i like i'm, I'm a very curious person but i'm not an argumentative person because years of Facebook in my 20s essentially taught me that arguing with people online is a complete waste of time. There'd be some people who would just, I'd put my little stupid mid-20s thought out about whatever, and somebody would start arguing with me, and I would argue back and dunk on each other and shit. And then there were sometimes, there's sometimes when I'm not sure if I'm 100% right, but there are other times where I'm verifiably correct and you can just go on Google. And I would do that and I would send them like a link that would show that what I was saying was right. And then they would they would do, uh, what do they call it? They would change the goalposts, right? Where all of a sudden what we were talking about wasn't really what we were talking about. And in this way, in this specific way, I was wrong and I don't know. I was Eventually I just thought yeah. like, this is a fucking stupid waste of time. So I, I haven't no, yeah, done people it in years. Like, people like to argue, I don't. I'll have my takes that I'll stand by and I'll say with like, this is what I think, but like, I'm a curious individual as well. I, uh, I champion thought diversity. Mm -hmm. Have you, have your opinion. I don't, I don't care. That's cool. Mm -hmm. And my flexible opinion, my opinions are so flexible that I can be like, Marvel is dog shit and a poison to Hollywood. And at the same time, Rowan's rule into black pander i want to watch black pander mm -hmm. and uh so i'm like okay let's watch the black pander movie mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. and uh the new fucking wakanda forever was dope i was like damn this movie goes hard actually yeah yeah, yeah. well there's something that some people have where I, I was talking to chris about this on lost explorers but i get a kick out of being wrong about shit like to me it's funny and it's also kind of cool to have, I mean, that's why I read the books that I read. <clears throat> that's why I'm interested in the podcast that I'm interested. Like, if I listen to Contain and Barrett says something like, you know, quantum physics aren't real and atoms aren't real, I'm like, wait, what? Or, uh, you know, CompBot says, you know, dinosaurs aren't real. That, to me, it, it I think CompBot said that. Anyway, it blows my mind, and my first thought is not, oh that's obviously correct or conversely like oh, that's the dumbest shit i've ever heard i think oh that's fucking interesting you know keep keep talking about that i'm willing yeah, to entertain yeah. that that atoms aren't real let's go i'm cool with that what, yeah I, entertaining the thoughts that's where arguing like kills the conversation because somebody has to be right and somebody has to be wrong and it's like i just want to entertain different ideas yeah because it's fucking fun and then sometimes you walk out of that and i mean that's what i credit you know people like me as you know being like a hundred percent correct on covid it was just because i was when it happened i wasn't 
you know, terrified of it. I was genuinely curious as to what was going on around me, you know? And so I read some shit and what appeared to be, you know, just sort of mindless contrarianism on my part just came from literally reading stuff that wasn't on the government approved websites. You know, you just go, you, you start to find things like, Hey, wait a minute, this dude won the Nobel prize for microbiology, or this guy won the fucking Nobel prize for, uh, you know, making vaccines or whatever. And they're saying some fucking interesting shit, but you know, I mean, it took about three years for that to all be proved, you know, correct in my favor. And it really sucked because people got really mad. But again, like I, if, if it had gone the other way and I'd been a hundred percent wrong, I would have been like, Oh wow. Interesting. Cause I don't, I don't, I don't subscribe to that whole, you know, certain ideas are dangerous. Like certain ideas are going to lead to danger. That to me is just silliness. Yeah. Nothing would have happened to me if I was wrong because I, somehow after years and years of drug abuse and not ever sleeping somehow i'm healthy ish mm-hmm. and uh i've just got i guess i'm just immune to everything so yeah. nothing would have happened to me but i'd have been like oh it's real damn Who yeah. thought? <laughs> that's so funny that's so, yeah i remember when COVID was going on i would entertain anything really i would read uh i would watch the high wire with del big tree who he's a big he used to work for a tv show called the doctors and went on to become probably the biggest and like truly anti-vax advocate that i can that i know of basically his whole show is just anti-vax shit um so i would look at that shit and i would go down the like damn are all vaccines bad and i mean in my opinion no like i still got gus got his you know fucking hepatitis shots and shit like that like i'm not going i'm not going that far they're like it's gonna make him autistic and i was like so Y'all, y'all are sounding pretty autistic to me, to be honest. Yeah, with you. y'all sounding pretty autistic about these <laughs> vaccine things. So, <laughs> and so I would go down that rabbit hole. I went down the Zach, Doctor Zach Bush, um, who's like a terrain theory guy who thinks that he's the kind of guy who thinks that viruses don't exist, right? Because they've never been. They used this famous study where <clears throat> they tried as hard as they could to to transfer viruses from person to person, including taking like somebody's boogers out. And like, I don't know if they, I don't think they injected them. That might've been what they did to horses. Like eat this. Basically dude, like they, they tried as hard as they could to like make a virus go from a person to person. And they, this is what they say. They, they couldn't do it. So I watched that and I was like, Oh shit. And then you had this other, Doctor, have they ever heard of the AIDS virus? (laughs) That's uh, that one to me is pretty, pretty cut and dry. Uh, And these are these are all things that people would say in response to them. Like, well, I mean, there's, I mean, it's pretty. I'm also a real like common sense guy, so I'm like, well, I mean, I've been around people who've been sick, and then a few days later, I'm sick too. So I, that to me seems that there is obviously something called a virus that got transferred, but. It's interesting because, you know, Dr. Bush thought that or thinks that, you know, it's all terrain. So it's all basically toxins in the environment, you know, Roundup and plastics. And, you know, it's all basically giving us all this cellular waste 
and eventually our body has to clean out the cellular waste which is what makes us sick and, and we we think that it's viruses but it's actually these things called exosomes which look very similar to that covid spiky ball thing uh, and they were like every time they see one of those little spiky balls it's actually an exosome um i wasn't i wasn't con totally convinced by that but again it's interesting and i don't understand why you know it's bad to just think about stuff like that you know like what if i mean everybody in like from the copernican revolution right to you know the darwinian revolution to that motherfucker who found out that washing your hands before you give birth to a baby makes the the baby less likely to die i mean when he first when that <laughs> dude first said that shit they were like uh you need to go like i think they put him in an insane asylum for saying that right oh yeah yeah he got barred or, or something like mm -hmm. they were like get the fuck out of here you quack right right so the next time a big thing like this comes down the pipe here's david's advice corner on this kind of shit how about this how about you just how about you do what you think is best for you but what if you just remember that there really isn't even a you to be right or wrong and you could just experience shit and think about shit like is bigfoot real maybe i mean i don't know i like to think about it sometimes are ufos real mm, the government says they are so now i'm kind of thinking not but i used to yeah now i'm like i don't know now i'm like they they are real and they're probably government related i used to think they were aliens which sounded more fun and now i i don't yeah. really i don't really care i also don't uh i can't be a take person because i don't look into things that bore me and mm -hmm, mm -hmm. politics are like extremely boring we right. brought up on the last z episode i think that i don't think about shit mm -hmm. when people have all their political ideas my eyes just roll to the back of my head i'm like oh jesus christ then go apply to the united nations or something then like mm -hmm. if you love mm -hmm. politics so much why don't you marry it <laughs> i could not agree with that more that's kind of how i feel i think it's cool to have again curiosity if i was to do a deep dive on ukraine i would go to live leak and watch those videos you know people getting blown up and shit i'd probably go like the first place i go if i want to know about some kind of conflict is a uh, popular front which is i was another. gonna say i watched that documentary that was pretty cool yeah yeah so i know popular front is good i trust uh jake hanrahan to like you know have the he's kind of he's kind of like what i'm talking about he's just seems he has opinions but he seems like he's just trying to figure shit out which is like what journalists are supposed to do so anyway so yeah. i don't know i just i think that with everything with every fucking issue since i'm not an expert on anything i just i just listen well it's kind of like what people are saying during the pandemic dude i just i listen to people who i consider to be experts and you're not an expert to me because you work for the government that doesn't make you an expert that makes you a toady so i think that's where my wires got crossed with a lot of you know ostensibly left-wing people who i'd been friends with for a decade who just all of a sudden thought that the u.s government and pharmaceutical companies were the go-to <laughs> the go-to people for information about things really really weird turn there mm-hmm never never thought i changed nothing and people were like uh and now i'm i'm in the uh 
uh, well, I'm not in any camp anymore because I'm not on social media, but I was in like the right wing podcaster circle and I changed nothing about myself whatsoever. No. <laughs> That's so, cr- I know, dude. It's so crazy. I think about that sometimes. Just if you call it the COVID time in general, the past three years, essentially, yeah, since about, you know, uh, late 2019, early 2020. Um, it's it's just it really is strange how quickly people I don't did you ever just feel like especially on social media it's like everybody got the same memo on a daily basis of like what to think and what to say and it would just be people repeating like you could look at somebody and I will use zero names here because they're not important but you'd look at somebody and something would happen in the news and you would just, you would know which way they were going to jump. Like you knew what their take was going to be before they said it. Yeah. It's just exhausting. And they have to say it. Like mm-hmm. it's just exhausting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love, I love being free from that shit and just having thoughts exist in my head or with people that I talk to. Right. Like back and forth with voices. Mm-hmm. I don't, yeah, I don't miss it at all. Never going back. Passing out flyers, buying ad space, but never, not going to see me on social media. No, no. Yeah, I, uh, the update on that for me is that uh, I feel like, this might sound like cope, I know, but I feel like I need to maintain the Instagram just to be the one kind of social media liaison for other podcasts that want to have us on you know what i mean like rare candy or you know i'm going on ryan's podcast tonight and i mean he could have hit me in the discord for sure but like you know it's just there i mean i mean i talked to glenn on the phone oh okay okay your phone numbers too (laughs) yeah get you a, a website that's true. Or we get that broken. We gotta get that broken river website going, anyways. But uh, that's a good point. Yeah, people hit really me through point. the website. When people want, when you're a person of interest, people find you. Got you, got you. Yeah, that's smart. That's really smart. And you know, everything that people say about getting off social media is true too. Which is that everybody who knew you through social media like thinks that you're dead. They're just like, what? Where? What? What? Where did Kelby? Where is he? I'm like, it's the same place he's always been just he's not on he's not on the on the thing and so but the thing is is though if you think about where we're at now 87 episodes in you know however deep we are into our writing careers it's been really helpful to think of i think of 2023 as year one right of like the new like it's like the do-over it's like the redo it's basically we went on this well i'll speak for myself i went on this path uh, with writing, with podcasting, with everything. And it was utilizing roads and byways that had been established and accepted as being, you know, kind of the way to do things. And it kind of sucks, but sometimes, you know, you get you get about 10 years down the road and you're like, oh, fuck, I took the... The first turn I took was the wrong one. <laughs> I, I made a mistake all the way back at square one. And so you just have to start over and I say all that to say that, um, you know, the whole, the people who you, you get from Twitter, for the most part, with some exceptions, are are contingent on you being on Twitter. 
but that's not the kind of you don't want to build an audience around a platform that could disappear in six months you know what i mean like that that doesn't make any sense to me no yeah and uh those those kind of um wrong turn dead end ghost town communities you find yourself in so basically like we're in children of the corn with right. the uh right writing community or whatever i think those communities are across cross medium mm. because mm-hmm. i see shit in like the voice world for example where i look i'm like what do other people do to get rid of like clicking noises what is it how do other people go about their audition mm-hmm. process what is the, like you know how are other people doing this I see so many coaches being like, here's how you make $100,000 a month on Fiverr. I'm like, I am not even fuck Fiverr. Um, mm-hmm. No. Mm-hmm. You are a stumbling block, motherfucker. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And if you see the issue with, um, like the issue with kind of trying to join a community, it's tempting at first, right? It's tempting to join a quote unquote community, say within the writing world, because it's all established. And this is all true. You know, I'm not going to overly demonize these kind of communities or whatever. I mean, they do connect you to levers of, you know, of influence that can get your book, you know, published in a, on a big five or, um, you know, get you an agent or any of those kind of things that you that you want to do. But you have to the, the thing that I realized way too late was that all of these systems uh, act in the same way that having a nine to five job does, which means that you have to have a certain level of, you know, decorum and you like, you can't be out here like, uh, you know, talking shit the way that I, I can't like, sometimes I'll just talk shit, you know, like you can't be out here talking shit. You can't, you can't now, at least you can't even really have like mildly different opinions about shit, you know? Uh, and for certain people with certain types of personalities it's kind of like i've had conversations in private with people who are eye to eye with me where they're just like i feel kind of stuck now (laughs) and instead Mm -hmm. of instead of feeling stuck the way i see it is like man i'm about halfway through my life like i'm totally fine with just just starting over because like think about like building a community that's based around a kind of mutual ability to you know, give each other handies and play, you know, play the same song and all be on the same page versus like a quote unquote audience of people who just like kind of like your shit. I mean, one is much more solid than the other. It's like, you know, it's just like find people who like you for you. JK Rowling is still a billionaire. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. People still buy, like, I don't, I don't want to be the person who's way at the bottom, like swimming in circles with other fish stuck in a barrel, just mm-hmm. being like, hey, good job, good job, good job. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Oh, you just vomited. I just vomited too. Hey, look, I ate it. Like, Dude, that, hey, that was cool. Funny story about the JK Rowling thing is that I was at a party uh, recently and there was a gay dude and a trans girl who were talking to each other and they were talking about how much they love the Harry Potter game. And I was just kind of, I was standing in the circle and I didn't play it, so I had no opinion on it. But I was waiting to see if either of them mentioned the controversy. And would you believe, uh, no, no, it was just 
never it was never brought up in that conversation and like those two people i thought would would kind of you know maybe had have addressed it had been like oh yeah jk rowling you know she's this that and the other transphobic but i love harry potter but it was just they were talking about how much they loved it (laughs) they were just like it's such a fucking good game yeah yeah uh and i was like what huh well, I guess they're not Amazing. on the same. They're not in the same. The kids are all right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I I was whenever I see shit like that, I'm always uh, really heartened. You know what I mean? That that people, whenever people don't let you know these kind of grand narratives, you know, psyop them into hating something that they love, that's always sad to me. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's more than the person who who made it. And, yeah, uh, it's like you know, see uh, on Sono, he kind of he uh, he's a perv. Like, oh no way, that's crazy. Yeah. Wouldn't have thought. Yeah, Who wouldn't cares? Have thought. Wouldn't have thought. Mike, Mike, he's gay. Well, <laughs> well, that moves the dial for me a little bit, but still. <laughs> Who cares? We have to change the name of the show, but we also have to change the name of the show, but <laughs> still the goat. <laughs> Oh, that was good. That was a. I feel like that was a pretty good. That was a pretty good ramble. But yeah, just to kind of. I guess there was a lot that was just said in there. But you know, if if you're a writer and you're just starting out, I would, I would just be highly suspicious of any pre-established group that you want to attach yourself to because we we created our own. Like Broken River Collective just came together organically. So I would be I like if I were you I wouldn't even want to join the Broken River Collective if because we're loyal to the five of each other. You know what I mean? And I think it's really hard to be as hard like as loyal as we are to more than five people. Yeah. It's kind of the max. So I would so just I just don't think it'll that. happen organically larger than that. Yeah. No. You should just you should just have <laughs> your your core mm-hmm. and, and you the, all, uh, just help each other out and by the way since we started the collective was it a year ago six months when did we really start talking on the i don't even remember. uh whenever ghost dropped oh okay because so, okay. simmons was the one where we were like is he is he cool i mean he he seems cool i like him but is he like is he cool is he one of us mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that was around like that was when the collective was really starting so yeah yeah, and then once and you then have you that were solid. like, "Hey, I brought this really white guy into the group too," without asking y'all, we're like, mm-hmm. "Well, I hope mm-hmm. he's cool." Yeah. Well, better, better, better not fuck up. But no, it's uh, uh <laughs> what I was gonna say about the collective thing though is that just the five of us—it's really kind of incredible that we all sort of just naturally. I mean, all five of us are, of course, looking out for our own projects, but we're also, you know doing things for each other that help different people within the group individually and it's just this machine that just keeps going and nobody well sometimes people will be like hey you know i'm trying to get you know a nomination for whatever and we'll be like all right cool yeah we'll put those votes in um but other times it's just like hey i saw this thing and i feel like grant you would be good for this and then grant will be like hey uh, you know uh, kelby check it out like because he's still on Twitter. He'll be like, they're hiring voice actors. 
It's just right, it's really, yeah. get you, get you five people who are all committed to making sure that every that all five of you quote unquote make it in some way. Oh, and yeah, and having like uh, it's not like a paying dues mentality where I scratch your back, you scratch my back. It's like there are things without spilling the sauce and going into detail. There's shit that like has been is is looking pretty good for Grant, and that he was like he started off he was like hey we should do this, and then it's already looking pretty bright for Grant, but because he started that and we all started doing it, things are looking up for just the collective in general. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Very by cool. having by like you know looking out for yourself, but looking out for yourself within a group, the whole group kind of rises up. You know what though? That actually relates back to Tampopo, with how they they assemble a team. They find the master noodle maker. They find the master uh, kind of chef, the sauce guy, the soup. That's the word I'm looking for. They find the interior decorator, the guy who's going to make the place right. look good. Yeah. Uh, and you know they go from person, and it's kind of this really funny, almost anime story, because you could see almost a, you know a traveling ronin who wants revenge against the emperor and you know it's these little vignette stories of him meeting colorful characters fighting them becoming friends with them and then it turns out they have you know the one skill that he needs to you know to break into the castle or whatever uh so tampopo is like you said it's a 1985 movie um it's a ramen western a ramen like a western. spaghetti western yeah yeah and i'll let you take it from it's there's a shitload of shit that i would that i want to talk about with this movie but I'll, I'll toss it over so yeah so it opens up with a uh this yakuza rolling in with his entourage into a movie theater and he's like i love going to the movies i love bringing my lady out to enjoy cinema and he sits down and he's like uh he's got this full this like elaborate meal being brought out on little rolling carts up to his theater seat and there's this dude crunching on some chips in the back and he stands up and goes over and is like you enjoying those and he's like yeah spicy curry flavor is really good and he gets up in his grill and he goes if you don't shut up when the movie starts i'm going to kill you <laughs> and and then Tampopo opens up mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. on a, uh, uh, what is it? I forget who it was. I feel like it was somebody. The guy and the old guy who were part of the story. Anyways, Ken Watanabe is reading this book and we're seeing sort of the events that are just, it's just this, uh, this guy eating ramen and this other guy being like, you don't know how to eat ramen, bitch. I'm going to show you how to eat ramen. And he shows him the ritual of how you're supposed to appreciate the ramen. Mm-hmm. How you're supposed mm-hmm. to soak, like you're supposed to tap the, the pork or the beef down into the broth, but just let it like kind of simmer there, move it to the side. You're supposed to smell it. I probably should have taken notes on what you're supposed uh, to I, do, I, so I, I know how I to it. eat ramen. I got it. I got it. It's you, you take your chopsticks over the surface of the soup, right? And then you take a minute to savor the aroma. Then you uh, you thank the pork. You say uh, you tell the pork, "See you soon," is a kind of memento mori 
situation. Then you move the pork to the right side, push it down, and uh, I forget after that. But yeah, it's I was taking notes when I because I we this Tamashi ramen place opened up here in Edmond, and I've been having ramen, dude, like once or twice a week now because it's so fucking good. But I was like, damn, now I could be a snob. <laughs> Hell yeah, yeah, I really like ramen. I can I can be a snob at the uh, the blasphemous. Uh, Hawaiian novelty ramen shop down the road mm-hmm, mm-hmm. with the, the smoked rib ramen shit. I just, uh, had, I just had to kill a bug. My bad. Uh, did you kill it with chopsticks? I killed it with a water bottle. Uh, so yeah, it opens up on them in a truck. This kid's reading a book. He finds out the right way to do it. And then there are... Uh, this movie basically follows a woman who's opening and who has a noodle shop that's in disrepair and her noodles are not very good. Her son gets his ass kicked every day by these bullies. And, uh, basically this wandering cowboy, this truck driver just like pulls in on a rainy night. It's an Indiana Jones hat. With an Indiana Jones hat and, uh, sees that there's a guy who's being rude to her in there. And he's like, you know, stop talking while I'm, eating my ramen and the other dude goes you want to fucking go you want to fucking go and he's like we can go outside and so he goes outside he fights him gets his ass kicked but the woman uh is charmed by his bravery and decides to take him and well she takes him in and takes care of him and then he just sort of out of nowhere decides like we're gonna make your ramen noodle shop the best one in japan and then we're off to the races yeah, he's kind of a Mr. Miyagi for, because he even has these weird like he's like, all right, carry the, carry the, uh, fucking, man, why don't I know kitchen terms? Bowl. It's not a bowl. It's a pot. Carry the pot. That was escaping me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> of, mm-hmm. of boiling water from here to there. All right, carry it back. It's like all the these montage of like Rocky style, Karate Kid methods of becoming a, a a better noodle chef and then then he's like all right now let's go steal other people's ideas because i'm out of uh i'm out of rocky material agitator style go steal the ideas go find go out steal what the works. ideas go yeah find out what works best and we'll just go from there the movie is also structured as like having these little vignettes within them that don't relate to the main plot at all you mentioned the yakuza before but it's kind of touching on different uh, aspects of eating food. There's one that's about, you know, conformity versus snobbery, where this group of old businessmen are getting lunch together, and they all order the same thing. And then the bucktooth kid reveals himself to be uh, have really good taste when it comes to what he's ordering. And it kind of throws all the old men for the loop, because he was just supposed to order, you know, the sole and, you know, a Heineken beer. But he's, you know, he's getting escargot wrapped in, uh, I for fucking forget, but. Yeah, no, but he gets this, like, exquisite meal, and he also orders this specific year of wine and everything, and they're just mm-hmm. like, the fuck? Mm-hmm. They literally, like, slapped him on the way, on going into the board meeting. He, like, uh, he tripped over the threshold or something, they, like, slapped him upside the head, mm-hmm. and then he, he's the most sophisticated of all of them when they sit right. down to order. Right, right, so it's, like, kind of a don't judge a book by its cover type thing. 
there's one with a con man who is pretending to be like this doddering old professor uh, who's actually conning another guy into who thinks he's conning him and then he gets arrested the funniest one is easily the dying mother uh where this guy's running home as fast as he can oh god he he, he, yeah. he bursts in the door and his wife is laid out on the floor with doctors over her and the doctor says i'm sorry sir but she's about to pass away so he climbs on top of her and starts saying wake up cook us dinner you have to do something so she gets up like about to die makes them food puts it down in front of them and then dies and the man starts weeping and he's like yelling at his kids you know eat the food it's the last meal your mother ever cooked eat it while it's hot <laughs> was, that one threw me because i had no idea it, it does the movie does a great job of you having no idea where it's going and uh so it, it can just throw you for a loop with these different vignettes the setup of it you don't know how it's gonna go and there's also another pretty funny one where this guy is having a he's having tooth problems on a train. Mm-hmm. Some of the best like image like some of the best cinematography is on this little scene too. It was mm-hmm. like this crazy hooked uh they like hooked the camera to the front of the train or something and it's just mm-hmm. this crazy frenetic speeding through kind of uh, feels like Tetsuo a little bit. Yeah, a little bit of some Tetsuo camera play going on just following this guy having some tooth trouble on the train he goes to the dentist he gets his tooth taken care of and they're like soft foods only for a while he goes and gets an ice cream and then he sees this kid who's got a sign around his neck that says i he has a sign around his neck and he also has a half-eating carrot Mm -hmm. and it's like i eat uh fresh foods only please do not give me any sweets and he's like you want some ice cream kid <laughs> it's so cute too the way that you they focus on the kids like hand like opening and closing like he's he's like thinking about it it's a good acting job from that little kid but i thought really? that was yeah. just like yeah i thought that was just super adorable because like you know giving kids sweets is just so funny like we gave uh, gus his first like sugary drink yesterday because you know they opened up this place <laughs> called swig and you can get like a Mountain Dew with a uh, fucking you know strawberry flavor or whatever, but it's 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 good shit. It was a company that started in Utah because Mormons can't drink coffee or beer, but they can drink soda. So yeah, man, you ever meet a Mormon? It's insane how much I think they can apparently drink Monster, or maybe that's just the the Mormons I've met. Yeah, it's weird. It's like it's not it's not caffeine. This is well, it's. Maybe it is caffeine. I don't really know. I'm not a Mormon. But uh, but anyway, so we gave some to him, and uh, like that sugar combined with playing at the park all day, like whatever was backed up in his belly, like we were all laying in bed when we, when we got home, and uh, he was just laying there. He's talking to this stuffed animal, and I guess the whole time he's talking to his stuffed animal, he's just shitting. So he, <laughs> he gets up off the bed. I was actually talking to you because we were lining out the next few months of Agitator, and I was like, oh, my God, the whole back of his shirt is just covered in shit. And he had taken <laughs> shit from his diaper and, like, dropped it on the floor and smeared it on the wall. And I was like, you know, you hear stories about, you know, the blowout. Everybody has a poop story as a parent. And he's almost two. And I thought I had, you know, I thought I had moved, like, almost escaped without one. But 
Nope, just took a little sugar. Anyway, that relates to the movie because, uh, I don't know, I just thought that kid was really cute. And I think it's cute when kids just want simple things like, like sweets. And I love, like, bad kids who, <laughs> who like, their mothers are clearly overbearing and tell them that they can only eat carrots. But they just become these little, these sneaky little fiends who will just, like, eat ice cream off the ground if they have to. Yeah, the trick is to always moderate moderate everything. Yeah. It's a you feel like you need to keep learning lessons or you need to switch it up. Nope. You just moderation for the rest of your life. And right. That's just the quick hack to parenting and everything. Cuz yeah, Rowan didn't even like sweets for years and he just all of a sudden this year was like, "Yeah, cookies are good. I'll eat that." <laughs> Whipped cream, pour it in my mouth. Yep. And uh but he still want. He wakes up in the morning and he's like, "Can I have a vegetable?" Yeah, which oh, you, that's good. usually that's good. means fruit. Like I gave him blueberries this morning and he's like, "Mmm, vegetables." I'm like, "It's <laughs> it's a fruit. It's fruit." I think berry berries yeah. fruits. He's like, "All right, thing, all right, Bill Nye. What are you gonna do? <laughs> he's got like, any more, got any more science okay, facts for science. me? Yeah, yeah. Any more fun facts for me? Yeah, I cannot get this kid to eat vegetables. It's like I got him fruit pouches that have you know like pear and. Uh, like spinach in it like mixtures you know so you hope that like the fruit covers up the vegetable taste but that fool can tell you just take a bite and he'll look at me he'll say no no not this one taste is such an odd thing too because as a kid i would eat vegetables but very specific ones and i'd love Mm -hmm. them Mm -hmm. but like i didn't venture outside of that it's like there's a lot of vegetables if you have a taste for greens you should have a You'd think you have a taste for multiple greens. But I, think, I think I ate like corn, carrots, and broccoli. Those were my three. I didn't venture outside of those. The 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 frozen meal pack. Yeah, basically. <laughs> basically. <laughs> that's true. That's true. I didn't even think about that. But yeah, that's exactly what it is. That like twenty five cent, you know, microwavable vegetables. Yeah, that was what I was rocking back then. Um, and that, okay, so in, in Tampopo, also one of the themes that they cover is one of my least favorite fe- themes in the world, it, which is food and sex. Because I fucking like these scenes to me were the most disgusting. Like, I can't stand food sex. I can't. <laughs> they it were just, my favorite parts of the movie. It like makes my hair stand on end. I've never messed around with food while having sex, I don't want to think about food. Well, like, you know how some people think about baseball if they don't want to come? Like, I just have to think about, like, a cheeseburger, and it'll completely take me back. Crazy. Yeah, I can't I can't do it. It's a weird, uh, like, anti-fetish, maybe? Not a phobia. Man, and a good cheeseburger, not that I would mix it with sex, but, like, a good cheeseburger, it you've got the melting cheese, you've mm-hmm. got the bubbling, like oil when it's cooking Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's all juicy and drippy like it 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 makes sense you know why they kind of correlate when they were not that i I don't i don't care for mixing the two either but it was it was making you horny uh, it was getting you horny i i know it was you were you were texting in the chat. Oh, I was text like, I was texting the group like uh, about like play by play of what was I was like this this fucking this is the best thing I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah, no, I hated it, dude. I hate it. I hate it when they pass the egg yolk between each other's mouths. Uh that was disgust. I hated the shrimp. 
on her belly. That's on the poster, by the way. I was like, this is coming out of nowhere for this wholesome movie. It is wholesome. They don't even a, cuss in the movie. It's, no. It's very... Well, they do at one... There was like... Because I started noticing after that. I was like, this... I didn't realize this was that kind of movie. And then I was noticing afterwards that they were like saying, God damn, and... Oh. Stuff like that. But right, right. No, it has a very... It's extremely lighthearted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's lighthearted, and it. I think it's because it's in 1985, and it's shot on you know 35 millimeter. I think maybe 16 millimeter, and the soundtrack is very kind of old school, even for its day. It has kind of a "It's a Wonderful Life" type feel to it. So when the guy from World of Kanako starts, you know, throwing salt and lemon on her nipples, and then she's dipping her nipples in flour and putting them in his mouth, it's just like what i could i could honestly see me like putting this on and seeing that it's you know r-rated or whatever and like watching it with gus and just being like look they're making noodles buddy and then having to be like oh, oh my god oh jesus you know, like, <laughs> turning it off as fast as i can like i don't know if that... i've ever seen a movie that has been this like that has felt this g-rated that took such an x-rated turn just 30 minutes in well it's also that kind of japanese view of sex too Mm-hmm. where it's just uh like you know you hear about over here it's like they got vending machines with like sex toys and condoms and shit and it's like i mean i haven't actually confirmed that but i'll believe it <laughs> the japanese and people are just like yeah we call those vending machines yeah we just call this vending what do you have in your vending machine <laughs> snacks that's how y'all just Ooh. sell poison out of a <laughs> for yeah. for a quarter yeah it's like no no actually yeah used a vending machine the other day and it was three dollars what the fuck oh right but yeah it's just a i mean it's just a thing i mean people fuck so i guess man yeah i guess that's true i'm uh, I'm maybe more repressed than i realize i might be more repressed than i thought i was i had to i watched the latter half of the movie with erica without really catching her i was like you know they're trying to get this noodle shop running and uh so we watched like the latter half together and that kind of shit didn't really come up there was other detours that the movie took in that later half but like that jarring of a of a scene didn't jump out again so i was like okay i gotta rewatch. you gotta check this scene out mm-hmm. and she was like what the fuck that's not where a shrimp goes <laughs> dude and the other thing so there's actually there's there's two there's two sex scenes and but there's also like actual animal killing just out of nowhere so yeah yeah they 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 do uh like they save this old man from choking by putting a vacuum nozzle in his throat and as a thank you he introduces them to his noodle chef who is like he's like the the master noodle maker or whatever in the scene he's like come over and see what he's doing and he's like hi everybody like this is how you make you know turtle blood soup and there's like a turtle sitting on the counter real ass turtle and the woman goes to pet it and he says don't don't touch it its teeth are like razors he's like so anyway here's what you do you got to make sure it's still alive when the blood comes out he slices the, like between the shell and the back of its neck pulls it open and starts pulling blood out, pouring blood into a bowl and i was like this is cannibal holocaust basically right? yeah yeah this little lighthearted noodle classic is a uh, has cannibal holocaust and food porn mhm mhm 
Which is also funny because your point about how sex is just a thing that happens and I, how I need to get over my distaste for anything food related with sex uh, is true of the things that we eat too, right? I mean, yeah, bro, if you eat turtle soup, that happened to the fucking turtle before you ate it. So yeah, why, yeah, why are people we not supposed to see it? Like, wh- why? Why is that offensive? I um I draw the line at eating things alive, but mm-hmm. people who are squeamish about facing their food, I think, have more hangups than the people who just will like do that, just cut the turtle open right there and pour it straight into the bowl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, I don't think I could eat something that was still alive either. Oh, that was one interesting thing that they say in the movie too about how heat releases the like the soul of the animal into the into the food so they're like you have to boil it and get it hot so that you know the heat releases like the essence of the creature i thought that was cool too that you know like when you're right so the soul soul. isn't trapped in the yeah yeah and it made me think about how we eat frozen food and shit and it's like you know that that soul that soul has been released cryogenically frozen and then reheated and that ain't the same soul and i started wondering on a occult mystical level you know, you can get into the chemistry and biology and all this kind of shit about how what we eat is bad for us for, for many reasons. But what if it's just that simple? What if the process by which we get food delivered to us kills the soul, which is what's actually nourishing about food? Probably. I mean, the Lion King taught us all everything about food. It's all part of the circle of life mm-hmm. and that will become... It's not fucked up to eat the antelope because you know the antelope are eating the grass and then when Mm -hmm. we die we'll become the grass that the antelope eat and it's all just it's all just a circle man well and also there's another thought that a soul can't travel as fast as like an airplane or a truck or whatever so it's almost like if you get food that's close to you like straight from a farm i don't know maybe you can keep that Maybe that soul can find its way back into the food before you eat it. Uh, but like, if if your Tyson chicken is like, is born in the dark and then mass slaughtered, like injected full of hormones and then slaughtered, and then tra- it's like it's completely soulless, empty food. Uh, this is a working theory that I just came up with on the spot. So could be wrong. Yeah, but- you don't want to. You don't want to ingest soulless food. You want to. Uh- you want to be a soul eater yeah because that's really that's really how you through your uh through the complicated body the magic of the uh mm-hmm. the physical form it's ushering that spirit across to the other side mm-hmm. it's like the the endless debate about whether eggs are good for you or not it's like well maybe it depends on where the egg comes from you know Maybe if it's a chicken in your backyard, maybe that's the best food you could possibly eat. But if it's, you know, one of these factory farm chickens, maybe maybe it's bad. I don't know. I don't know. What are you doing kicking all your toys around? That's why synthetic food just doesn't seem right either. No, it's not right. No, that's And people instinctively knew that. I remember five or six years ago, everybody was thinking like, oh man, Boca Burgers or Beyond Meat. This shit's going to pop. And it just kind of never did because it's i never even tried that shit i was like no no i did i did it tastes like it tastes kind of like the you remember the 
like the chicken fried steak school lunch. Or yeah. Like the, or like the cheeseburger school lunch. It kind of tasted like that. So. Well, I mean, I never willingly ate anything like like knowingly, but I've definitely eaten meat that was that did not come from no fucking animal. Yeah. But uh, no, I thought I thought Tampopo was great. I want I could watch a movie about cooking for four hours. I realized that about myself watching this. Like Jiro Dreams of Sushi is another really good one because it's just um, there's a specific line in the movie that I thought was worth relating to the listener that I wrote down. Uh, oh, right. The woman at some point says to the cowboy uh, they're, when they're on that date, she says, uh, some people have ladders that they climb all the way to the top, but others don't even know that they have ladders and you helped me find mine, which so directly correlates to an epiphany I had about writing because once you know you have all these falling outs with, the again, that aforementioned community, you start to think like, well, maybe I'll do something just different. Maybe I'll get into coding or maybe I'll, you know, fuck it. I'm almost 40 years old, but maybe I'll just be a plumber. But that line helped articulate something, which is that like, no, like the, the ladder that was given to me in this incarnation is through the vessel of writing, you know? And I, I had the, I would, my problem was kind of opposite hers. Like I had found my ladder I just put the ladder on the wrong side of the building to continue the metaphor. Right. Yeah, yeah. No, that's good. That's good. I thought that was a great... Uh, I'm glad you brought that, that scene up because I meant to write that down. That was the kind of crux of what this movie is. I could mm-hmm. watch shit about... Like, there's no antagonism in this movie, really. Everything no. that's... She already has a shop. People come to it because... The guy who ends up redesigning it for her, he's like in love with her. He's like, why don't you just marry me and run away from this place? And he brings his goons to the place all the time. Like she has business Mm -hmm. to an extent. And so there's not really a lot of stakes. It's just, Mm -hmm. it's about leveling up. Yes, yeah, exactly. Which is where I also kind of really fucked with it because like... I mean, obviously, that's just where we're at. It's like, it's time to level up. Like, yeah, we're not, yeah. You could say that about uh, as much hardship as, like, we go through. Like, you could say that about, uh, like, you're, you're fine. I mean, you're not homeless, you know? Yeah. And, like, you get by, pay your bills, whatever. Uh, your kids don't hate you, you know? So, but it's like, nah, nah, it's time to level up. Right, right. That's such an important point that she starts off, you know, there are moments where like that one guy says, you know, I'm, I'm not going to give you my secret recipe or the guy who's in love with her uh, and the cowboy actually have a pretty good fight scene just sort of in the middle of the of the movie. Oh, man, that was one of my yeah, that was one of my favorite scenes, too, because he comes up and he's like, OK, OK, I was drunk. I was out of line last time. Shouldn't have been. That was that was unfair. So I'm going to come at you fair this time. For, and uh, so they just like the camera is kind of zoomed out a bit and they're just they start off as silhouettes under this bridge and they uh, like while the tro- while the trolley is going you know zooming past and everything there's no music real great just set up right there mm-hmm. and uh, they just start duking it out and they keep going and they're just like kind of beating the shit out of each other bare knuckle 
It was great. And it's really well choreographed. It's it's a legitimately good fight scene, uh, which I also love. You could say that about the sex scene, too. I mean, it is really... It's interesting, this interplay between, you know, sort of utilitarian filmmaking and knowing when a scene just needs you to put a camera in a place and let actors do their thing. And then some scenes where, where you can tell they're like, all right, we're going to have fun. We're going to do not just a sex scene, but like the weirdest and grossest one we can think of. And we're not just going to do a, a bare knuckle fist fight, but we're going to do one that rivals action movies of the day, you know? Uh, I like I like that mentality, especially for writing in this turn, like in this way of, you know, okay, so this scene just probably just needs to be, you know, maintain the reader's interest and, you know, let them kind of sink into the world a little bit. Doesn't really have to do a whole lot, but when it's time to go, like we're gonna turn the heat up. And it's gonna be fucking crazy. As interested and non-takey as I try to be, as curious as I am, I um. I, I, there's some things. I've got bugabears. I've got some bugabears, and one is just the way that modern movies are filmed. I fucking hate it. I don't care if it's a good movie; it looks like shit. Uh, and one of these things, like this movie, is so many things that are like the exact opposite of that. Everything I love about film, it's like shot on film for one. It looks beautiful. There's texture and grain to it. Uh, there's you know play there's concern for lighting and color because they don't get to just post production throw that shit in Uh, they have to actually pay attention to it there's like proper blocking or interesting blocking movement of camera Mm -hmm. so like attention to set design because people I, I mean modern a lot of modern movies just get all up in your grill they just have so many close-ups and so there's no attention it feels worldless it feels alien because yeah. they're it's like bro show me the background like what is going on can i see this character's full body please uh bodies that's a big thing i don't know what it is about but just being able to see people's like physicality and their placement and like what they're doing with their hands when i'm not supposed to be looking at their hands i don't know that just like i like when you can see the people completely on screen yeah i do too and i like when the camera is used for very specific purposes you mentioned how they mounted it on the front of that train or you know i mean that whole segment where the guy's going to the dentist and you know the different angles to make it maximally uncomfortable uh that being utilized strategically rather than just as the kind of mode that the whole movie is in. Because I like Gaspar no movies, you know, but like those are basically like two hour endurance tests and they are specifically designed to constantly make you feel off balance and uncomfortable and and whatever. That's cool, right? But it's just, it's more fun I think to see that kind of shit utilized strategically like throughout a different piece. Yeah, yeah, be a little bit more sporadic with it instead of, uh, yeah, um, exact same with Gaspar Noe. I like, uh, I like everything I've seen of his, but I'm not gonna rewatch it. It's just like, because each one is an experiment with like one gimmick. Yeah, and you know what's really funny too is that, and this is gonna sound like it's out of left field, but there's a movie called uh, Universal Soldier: The Return. There's like, uh, 
or not the return it's like it's part four basically i can't remember who directed it but when i watched that movie it's a fantastic action flick but they they utilize it feels like a gas like gaspar no made it and so in very specific instances there will be like you know strobes you know intense gore graphic sex but it's in the context of an action movie and so it really works is it a was it the day of reckoning uh yes yes day of reckoning yeah day of reckoning one yeah that's it i love just stumbling across such out of place uh sort of projects like that too it's a great movie like listeners if you haven't seen that one because it's you know it's universal soldier four i get it but it's really a cut above there was another movie uh, punisher war zone was kind of similar yeah. and that saw kind that of like theaters. oh i wasn't expecting this to go hard like this yeah we, i saw that in theaters with rios we went to uh the warren theater in moore oklahoma which at the time was like the this was before the alamo and stuff so you could get a balcony seat and get a nice drink and the the first and maybe only movie we ever did that for was punisher Warzone, uh because at the time we were really into we were both like really vibing on the Garth Ennis Punisher's Max series, uh, or uh, illustrated by Goran Parlov, I, I want to say. So it came out right during that Punisher Max era, and uh, what's her name, Lexi, something or other. I can't remember the director's yeah, name. I, uh, she was. I feel like she's only a couple degrees separated from us too, because I heard her on something. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Man, anyway, she knocked that shit out of the park, like with the ultra violence and the pulpy tone. It was right before, I think it was right before the Avengers came out. I want to say, so it was like this last gasp of interesting, colorful, hyper violent, a little, you know, quote unquote bad, in the, in the typical way of understanding that. But uh, I don't think it's a bad movie at all. Oh yeah, Lexi Alexander. She did that's Green it. Street Hooligans. That's it. Yeah. That's where I first learned uh, the name for a Chelsea Grin. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a good movie. I'm forever blowing bubbles. Yeah, I, uh, man, I've been watching, like, just kind of whatever, like, mindless movies at night and kind of stumbling across some gems. Uh, yeah. My kids like to wake me up at three in the morning. Last night I passed out on Rowan's floor, putting him to bed. Uh, the Blade Club song kind of did fucking, me in. It's better than you know, box uh, whatever you call that shit. The um, what's that? What do you call it? Uh, yeah, again? right. The lullabies. No, it's it's got a specific name. It's like well, it is a lullaby. That's like the genre, but I don't know. I forget. Maybe it is just called Lullaby. Watch it be called Lullaby. Like, <laughs> what do you call those things? We, we call this thing the, that puts a baby to sleep. The music that puts kids to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we call this type of music. This guy's got like a beat and like a black guy's rhyming words over it. What do you call that? He's talking about rap music. No, no, it's different. It's called like the blueprint or something. I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, I like uh, there's nothing, nothing 
unknown really like i watched um wrath of man which is a guy ritchie jason statham led uh sort of heist movie and uh and it felt it felt kind of john wooish i was like is this a japanese director and then i saw it was guy ritchie i was like oh okay yeah i guess i i I could see the trappings because it does a lot of detours with different characters i was like okay i can feel the the guy reachiness of this now knowing that Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but uh no it had some like close quarters cramped hallway fight scenes it was like some good shit in it dude i watched uh in hell directed by ringo lamb starring jean-claude van damme about a a french guy who's supposed to be an american who goes to a soviet gulag because he kills his wife's killer in court john wick in the motel style and when he gets to the soviet gulag it's staffed by what appear to me to be mostly mexicans uh and he gets into like the underground brawls there but like there's an opening scene where he you know he's a troublemaker so they throw him in the hole and there's like shit on the floor like a puddle of shit and he's like okay i'm gonna hang myself and he goes to hang himself and like a magic bug flies through the window and like lands on him and he re- like the bug is like his wife's soul telling him not to do it and I, that's what i knew i was in for in for a really good time but it's got butt rape Damn. it's got violence it's uh you know it's a good time you miss out on a lot of movies that you just you know think they're just some b-grade straight to dvd shit mm-hmm Mm-hmm. And it turns out that's where people are still mostly allowed to have fun. It's basically, it's this, we talked about this with Mike. It's a good time to rehash this this point, though, is that one of the reasons why Mike can do all the weird shit that he does in his movies is because he's always under budget and he's always on time, right? And so this kind of B world where they, they know that they're not marketed to, you know, this grand, huge audience or whatever, they're just like they're basically the small business of movies where they're like we'll give you two million dollars we want to make four million dollars and the director's like okay bet i can make that happen for you and you get these little these little mini masterpieces out of that yeah go digging for treasure in the i I can see i think there's like sort of glimmers of hope in major hollywood too where working because it's people i mean it's populated by people who do have a lot of them had a vision at some point and it didn't involve just standing in front of a green screen and telling people to swing invisible swords at each other Mm -hmm. like so there's you're seeing slivers of things pop up i think in some different and where where will i mean where will it go I'm sure there's going to be another wave. Yeah. It's not just going to be... <laughs> can't have Marvel for the next 100 yeah, years. Yeah. That ain't going to... I mean, I was, I was fucking reading this uh, great article by Ed Zitrone or Zytron or something like that, and it's called Social Media is Dying. And he basically, you know, ostensibly it's about that, but the bigger point that he makes applies to all this kind of shit, where... You know, social media starts off pretty good for everybody because they want to make a a user interface that's appealing to people. And then they want to make money for their investors, right? So first it gets bad for the, you know, for the creators and then it gets bad for the audience and then it eventually gets bad for the investors too. And social media is at the state now where it's, it's bad for the investors because, 
you know, there's only so much ad space you can sell. And if you're trying to grow quarterly, you know, I think it's something like in, investors expect like a dollar fifty increase per user per quarter, which is just like it, that's insane. It's impossible to do that. Um, so anyway, so it just makes everything worse, and it's this type of uh, what is it called, like shareholder or stakeholder capitalism or something like that, where mm-hmm. it, it has to like the, he says something in the article like if you if these people found a business that made a billion dollars a year but just 1 billion maybe it was like 0.99 billion one year 1.2 the next they would consider that a bad business right making a billion dollars a year cuz there's no growth and i think that hopefully at least this shit burns itself out so bad that we can at least have a decade or so of of not constantly trying to grow and progress and just like make a little bit of money you know what's wrong with just what's wrong with paying two million dollars to make four million dollars this is doubling your fucking money like that's pretty damn good so anyway yeah rant rant over yeah as long as you're um because who has time to deal with all that money i'm gonna run out of ideas to like Mm -hmm. but uh that's what makes me a good that's what all that's what's always making me somebody easy to take advantage of in the work field any kind of work field because i just i am a doer that's my nature mm-hmm. and uh like i'm not i don't have the mind of the uh constant growth and let me i, I need this to make ten thousand percent i'm i'm just like i don't know i just want to do the shit i want to do shit so that's mm-hmm where a lot of money ambition kind of a yeah i want a lot of it but a lot of it to me means like a million dollars if i just always have a million dollars and it just stays so i'm never worried about shit that's cool to me the fuck am i gonna do with 10 million dollars give right give nine of it away right (laughs) no but that's the thing right is that if you have a million dollars you can do little tricks like monthly where you invest, you know, $10,000 and you make 11,000 back. And then that, that thousand off the top is like spare, like spending money. It's just the margins are so low that you have to have the capital to begin with to, to profit off of it. But that's what a lot of rich people do. A lot of rich people who have a couple million bucks or whatever, they do little deals that, you know, it might require you to, to throw in for 80 K and you get back 85k and they're just like okay cool i'll do that because it's a free 5k (laughs) that i can just spend this month if i want to so that's my goal too you know i I maintain that if i get to if i get a million dollars for anything like me personally i'll never be i will never be poor again and i i I also won't be much richer i'll just we'll we'll get an ecosystem going so anyway somebody give me a million dollars that's our closing pitch. Yeah. Give us, give us a million dollars. <laughs> yeah, give us a million dollars. Patreon.com slash agitator. Sign up for a million dollars. Yeah, you can give me like 700K, give Kelby three, and then... Because Kelby, <laughs> Kelby doesn't want half. Kelby doesn't... You don't understand how Kelby's mind works. He wants to hustle. Like, he wants to he wants to build that I 300K. Work. I work best when I'm hungry. When I'm hungry. <laughs> you want some more hash browns, kid? All right, I guess we'll... What did you want to talk about for the Z one, by the way? 